Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, and welcome to our episode today on our book club book. It is Kevin Wilson's Nothing to See Here. Before we get started with our discussion, I just wanted to remind you to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they are called now, (laughs) but that helps us so much. And also, make sure you check out our brand new website. Ashley put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that, and it looks awesome, so make sure you check that out at unabridgedpod.com. And also, before we get started, we are going to do a quick bookish check-in. And Jen, would you like to start us off? Well, sure. (laughs) So I am currently in the midst of... Pierce Brown's Dark Age. So this is the fourth, no, the fifth book in his Red Rising series. And these are books, I guess they're science fiction. They're kind of dystopian. And they're based in the future in basically in our galaxy. And there are different divisions of the societies based on people's jobs and people's bodies and eyes I know this is sounding really bizarre anyway (laughs) reflect their position in their job so it starts with this character named Darrow who is a red and he works underground and never sees the sun but he just assumes that's how everyone lives and then they find out that there are these golds who sort of rule everything and it's all based in like Roman society like they're emulating a lot of the way Romans did things anyway it's really fascinating so it's just five books in it's just this continuing saga of this world and these characters and lots of class conflict and that's really interesting Hmm. that may not have been the best synopsis but i promise it's interesting (laughs) i think that was great (laughs) ashley what about you (laughs) so i just started gillian flynn's gone girl is it gillian flynn yep okay (laughs) (laughs) um and i am reading that one People who listen often know that I do not read in that genre very often. And so for my Modern Mrs. Darcy challenge, one of them is to read a book outside of your typical genres. And for sure, like thrillers and mysteries are just not Mm -hmm. my go-to. But I've heard such, both Jen and Sarah have recommended that one to me. I've heard such great things about it. And I know that in a lot of ways it was a book that led to, you know, I mean, it led to mm-hmm. a new wave yeah, in writing. And sure. so I wanted to read it sort of for the iconic part of it as well. And yeah, so far I really love it. I mean, I think that it has the alternating perspectives, which I'm enjoying, mm-hmm. and it also has two different timelines happening, and mm-hmm. I enjoy that too. So I think so far so good, and I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, It also led to books with the word girl in the title. It really did. Like, that I know. I think yeah. several of them just came to my mind. So yes. I thought, yes, I can see that that's true. How interesting. So what I'm reading right now is a book that I have seen everywhere on Instagram, and it is Followers by Megan Angelo. And it has gotten a lot of buzz, a lot because it centers around social media and the amount of information that we share with the world. And as podcasters, and all of us not being people that would 
normally share a lot on social mm-hmm. media, be, being podcasters and knowing that that is part of the business of podcasting. It, we have reluctantly at times mm-hmm. gotten into it and shared more to social media. So I found it really interesting to read about it. And it is also a dual timeline. So one timeline is in 2015 and the other is in 2051. And I am about probably a half to two thirds of the way through. And it has been compelling. There are parts of it that I like, and there are parts of it that kind of are a little bit frivolous for me. But what is really interesting is that is the questions it asks about what we share, where that line should be drawn, and what happens when you don't draw it. So it's very interesting. And I'm really excited to see where it goes and um, what happens. And so it's been a really, I think definitely has made me think about social media mm-hmm. in a different way. Cool. <clears throat> so sounds very good. Yeah. I, it might, it would be a nice one to discuss at some point mm-hmm. when the podcast, I think a lot of people would have opinions about, mm-hmm. <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that sounds fascinating just because that's such a new part of our lives mm-hmm. and, has, you know, it's changing so rapidly that for adults now, it is really interesting to think about. The ways that it impacts us. Yes, yeah. for sure. So that, 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 there's our bookish check-in. I feel like we need some music or something. So. <laughs> I'll work on that. Maybe, maybe in the future, folks. So we are going to go ahead and get started with our discussion on nothing to see here. Before we do that, though, I'm going to read a summary. And as you all know, this is not my strong suit. So I'm going to ask Jen if she'll read it. Sure. (laughs) I totally just put her on the spot. That sounds good. (laughs) I will say that I was preparing myself to look in the other direction (laughs) so that Sarah did not feel (laughs) self-conscious. And then I thought how funny it was that that was my response. It's like, oh, I'm going to look at the ground now. (laughs) One of these days, I will do it. But today is not that day. (laughs) It's okay. All right. In Kevin Wilson's Nothing to See Here, Lillian and Madison were friends in a prestigious boarding school. However, in the midst of a scandal, Lillian is forced to leave the school and only corresponds with Madison through sporadic letters in the years that follow. Now, 10 years later, Madison, a prominent politician's wife, calls Lillian out of the blue to ask her for help. Madison wants Lillian to be the governess for her two stepchildren, who just happen to combust when they are overcome with emotion. Lillian agrees to come for the summer, and what she learns will change her life forever. Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jen, for that pinch hit. So let's just get started talking about overall impressions. Ashley, do you want to tell us your overall impression of this book? Sure. I was thrilled at <laughs> at both the length and the fast movement of this book. So that was a big win for me. And I think what I loved about it is the story is quite strange, I think, when you're first starting and yet really compelling. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I mean, Wilson hits on some important issues it, while also just dri- this interesting person mm-hmm. is driving this narrative and you are in this forward momentum of wanting to know what's going to happen. And I just think, I mean, I love, I, I love the kids in the book and I love the uh, Bessie and Roland, the twins. And I love the way that they're portrayed and 
the way that Wilson is giving, I mean, there's obviously some magical realism involved mm-hmm. with the spontaneous combustion <laughs> <What>? part. <laughs> or people with a lot of money and a lot of power mm-hmm. are suppressing that knowledge from the rest of us. <laughs> right. Okay. One of those things. <laughs> yes. But I think that it does speak to how when people don't conform to society's normal standards, the links that we'll go to to cover that up mm-hmm. for one thing. And then also just the way that those people are totally isolated and alienated and separated from the world around them. And mm-hmm. I think that like that really just resonated with me because they're such sweet kids and they just want somebody to care for them and to care about them and to be in it for them. Mm-hmm. And yet we see this really complicated relationship with their mother who in a lot of ways I think was in it for them right. in some ways, but then clearly had a lot going on in her own her own well-being and could not support them and then like tried too hard too much mm-hmm. yeah. and and couldn't sustain that i mean in this world that she saw to be endlessly cruel toward mm-hmm. all of them and so i just yeah I, I really appreciated all of that so overall great read for me really enjoyed that it was fast and that i felt like there was a lot of great character development especially for such a short book mm-hmm. jen how about you yeah, I loved it. Um, first, I loved it because it helped me check some boxes in my challenges for the year. So this was a book it's of the month. It's amazing how good that feels. I know, it really did. So it was a book of the month backlist book for me. And it is also in the morning news tournament of books shortlist. So check, check. All right. <laughs> we need a sound effect for that too. Yes. <laughs> Maybe an air horn. Pew, pew. <laughs> So yeah, but beyond the horrible satisfaction of just me meeting goals, I really liked it. I love quirky books. And so I had read Kevin Wilson's The Family Fang before, which is about a family of performance artists whose last name is Fang. And so I was prepared for that. I really, I enjoy books like that in general. But then I thought that again, the take on characters that Ashley was talking about was really well done. I thought the class commentary Mm -hmm. and what people with money and power can do and Lillian's gradual realizations about the fact that her lack of money and power are really disabling to her. And so because she has a strong contrast with Madison, I just found a lot of that to be really moving. And I thought that her relationship with Madison was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and frustrating as well. Mm-hmm. But I really, I thought it was, like you said, for such a short book, it is surprisingly complex, especially when you're looking at the relationships and then the, the societal commentary. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree with both of you, and I don't want to just I, – I will reiterate that I agree with everything mm-hmm. both of you have said, but I will co-sign with Ashley. I was thrilled at the length and the <laughs> past movement, and, I mean, it is very plot-driven, yeah. and there's yeah. a lot of dialogue, so I was like, oh, look at me zipping through this book. So yes. I did like that, so that's my selfish reason. Yeah. But I also found it very compelling, and I really found the trajectory of Lillian's character arc to be Mm -hmm. fascinating and how we see her both grow and in some parts and just stay the same in others i thought that was really like i thought she was very uh multifaceted and i don't know just a really compelling character and i think what i loved about wilson which this is the first book i've read of his is his incredible ability to give her such a strong voice i mean Mm -hmm. i felt like 
when we, when even I was collecting quotes for to, in preparation for the episode, every quote that mm-hmm. I wrote of Lillian's, you can tell beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is her speaking, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, she just had a strong voice throughout, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. So I also really enjoyed it, and I, it was something. It was like a book. It wasn't like any books that I've read before, so mm-hmm. I like that part too. Mm-hmm. This may be a little bit redundant, so we'll just kind of zip through this part. But what worked for you all Mm -hmm. in the book? Yeah, (laughs) so I think different than what I've already said, something that worked for me was the way that Lillian took on this seemingly impossible task of trying to figure out how to keep these kids who were in tremendous emotional turmoil from combusting. And found a way to work through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really, I, I loved that part of the book because I think that while, like like Jen said about the class conflict, that there are a lot of ways that she is really disempowered and really mm-hmm. limited in her life choices that are totally beyond her control yeah. and just have to do with class and um, what the the way that they can make excuses. I mean, the whole thing that happens with the boarding school mm-hmm. is a demonstration mm-hmm. of how her lack of agency is what winds up with her getting expelled. And so, I mean, I think there's a lot about that. And yet, even so, in this moment, she's able to take these kids and find a way to help them navigate the world Mm -hmm. around them. And I mean, when she does the brainstorming in the (laughs) notebook and she is listing all these crazy things, but some of them are great ideas. And I think it is that idea of how do you work with what you have Mm -hmm. and find a way through it. And I think she does that really well and that they see that in her Mm -hmm. and really appreciate that in her. And so I really, I, again, I just, I loved the kids. I loved the way that they were their own people, but both of them were like navigating this really, hard situation and hard like they knew that they were a burden to everyone else Mm -hmm. in the world and again i think that is not their fault but the fault of Mm -hmm. society yeah but i think that they are bearing that Mm -hmm. and so i i just loved all of that her attempts to take that on and move through it in a meaningful way and like you said sarah i think we see a lot of steps forward and steps back Mm -hmm. and i appreciated that too um about her but definitely that part of her just being like okay this is the thing and they catch on fire and that is kind of strange. <laughs> right. And what, this is our new reality. And what do we do in that reality? Mm-hmm. And I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I think like, I think that her background, the way that Kevin Wilson constructs her background mm-hmm. makes it really believable that she would be able to sit there and, <laughs> and make a list of the possible ways to stop the fire. Yeah. And I mean, it <laughs> and just how to try seemed, to prevent it. Yeah. It totally <laughs> seemed reasonable that she would be able to work through that because she's already had to work through so many things in her life mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm just gonna second before I go on to my thing that both of you talked about the ways that she progresses and the way she is you think she's got got it figured out and then she's just pulled back down and I just really appreciated the realism of that because yeah. I think you know even with her mom you think she's going to make this big move forward when she returns to her mom for help and then you see her mom has not changed so it's that whole yeah she is trying to plow through these barriers but the barriers that she has had since she was a child are much harder than the new things that have popped up for her. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and when she at the at the end says that this is not a happy ending, yeah, this is the an ending, and now we're going into a new an, mm-hmm. a beginning. But it, but I really appreciate that uh-huh. because that's how it is in life. You know, that's yeah. how things 
work out. Mm-hmm. It's not always. You can't leave everything right. that's happened to you behind. Right. It right. is always with you. And so even though she's desperate to move forward. Anyway, I just yeah. thought that was really brilliant. So one more thing, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but. I just appreciate the way that the premise that these kids catch on fire function both on the literal level and the symbolic level. Yeah, And I think absolutely. that is just, I love symbolism. You know, we all taught English. And so I think that just watching that symbol grow, but also watching it be such a realistic everyday part of the thing that they have to deal with and like the stuff that they smear all over them and how gross that is. Mm-hmm. And is it going to mess up the chairs and what, how are the, the clothes make the kids really hot. So then they're all sweaty and nasty. I mean, I just think watching the day-to-day grind of dealing with the fact that they could catch on fire at any moment and burn down their house, but also seeing what that means and the way that catching fire is the rage that these kids feel because of their lives and their lack of agency. And that, I mean, Lillian might as well be catching on fire alongside them because she has that same rage. So I just thought that was really brilliant. Along those same lines, and again, I'm not going to belabor the point. I really loved the way the basketball. I love mm. basketball, oh, yeah. and I love the way that he used that also that brilliant, yeah, symbolically, yes. but also literally, and especially that game between Madison and Lillian. And you just want Lillian yes. to get it so badly, and but I mean, it, I, I feel again that he was reflecting real life often. She's not going to, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was brilliant. And the way that he just wove that in there Mm -hmm. seamlessly, I really, really like that. And when she was teaching the kids to play basketball, I mean, I just thought that was really, really remarkable. And I really like that. And I loved that he was not jealous of his sister, that she was so much better. Their relationship is so sweet. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they are what each other has had. That might have been a really ungrammatical sentence. But anyway, for so long. That, of course, like, they are going to support each other. But I also was ready yes. for it to become a thing. And I was so glad that it really didn't. So, anyway. Yes. I, I want to read a quote. But I'm not going to. But I will say that, like, I just, <laughs> we, we really did restructure that for you all folks. Yes. So we would not read the whole book to you. But what I wanted to reference is just the part where she wanted so badly to make the shot for them. Mm-hmm. And that she saw their disappointment. And it was the disappointment that she'd had in her own life so often that, like, yes. you thought you were going to get this thing. Yeah. But then what made you think you deserved it? I mean, mm-hmm. and I really just appreciate, again, I appreciate it throughout the way that she could understand the way that life had failed her mm-hmm. as she watched it failing them. Well, in her physical injuries that are occurring, yeah. which are also like indicative of all these things that she's being pulled back, but she keeps fighting through uh-huh. like the yeah. scratches on her eyes. And then she gets, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, when, when Bessie scratches her face mm-hmm. and then mass and elbows are in the eye and almost takes it on her <laughs> eye. I mean, it's just, but she just keeps going yeah. and she uh-huh. keeps being there and she keeps, she keeps, being present, I just thought that was really incredible. And I loved that with the elbowing. Yeah. I mean, that whole thing about how Madison's going to take whatever what she, she wants because that is the life that she has had, mm-hmm. is that she believes she's entitled to all the things. Yeah. And she's going to stop at nothing to get what she wants mm-hmm. or what she thinks she deserves. And that she is willing to, I mean, brutally assault somebody yeah. in order to get the thing and how then Lillian's like remembering all the other times yeah. that and I mean again the metaphorical and the literal mm-hmm. ways that that is playing out are just really powerful yeah. and then how when Carl is like freaking out about her black guy <laughs> and she says about Madison and he's like oh yeah she plays like that uh-huh. I mean just this idea that, like everyone knows she plays dirty yeah and yet that's just totally accepted and that's the way you know one of the ways that she's gotten all of this 
ability to have agency, to have power, mm-hmm. to have all this money. Yeah. yeah. When Lillian thinks that Madison may have forgotten what actually happened oh. when they were at boarding school, yes. school and she took the fall. And you can believe it because Madison has this incredible ability to rewrite the world around her mm-hmm. to be what she wants it to be. And Lillian wishes she could do it. And I, I get it because, mm-hmm. man, yeah. it would be a lot easier to go through life yeah. if you could just sure. and believe that everything is as you want it to be. Yeah. So, so for, was there anything that didn't work for you all in the book? So thinking about Lillian and Madison's relationship, I would say there were times that I was just really, it's not that I can't believe this, but it was hard. Like it was really frustrating mm-hmm. to see what Lillian would tolerate in Madison mm-hmm. when it was so apparent that she was pretty awful mm-hmm. in, you know, in some ways and particularly awful to Lillian. Yeah, I right. mean, that she would just take advantage of her in whatever way necessary in order to get what she wanted out of the relationship. So just kind of seeing her use Lillian and Lillian's willingness to just continue to accept that was painful. I, I mean, I don't know that I would say that it didn't work for me in the sense of like, I did believe it. Mm-hmm. There were just times that I wanted her to not be in love with her, yeah. to like yeah. not, to to be able to turn away from that. But I think, again, I think that's probably, you know, to, to real life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think for me, I mean, I was frustrated with that, same as you the whole way through. But for me, the pinnacle of that was in the end when Madison is like waiting for Lillian to say thank you. Uh-huh. Yes. I just, I want to say some bad words because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. I mean, all the other things are egregious but then to be like sitting there waiting like i've done this thing for you when she has done she has laid all these things on the line for those kids Mm -hmm. i i mean i I was like and when of course she was doing it for herself right i mean all of it was entirely right it was yeah so even though i think that was the outcome we desire Mm -hmm. as the readers we want Lillian to be with the kids because there was no other scenario that was going to work out satisfactorily for the Mm -hmm. reader right but absolutely the burden for her the right. things she's going to sacrifice that i mean what you said before sarah about the happy ending that mm-hmm. like this is yeah. an ending it's a new beginning that doesn't mean that it's all happy for mm-hmm. a, a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they mm. can just save each other anyway yes <laughs> uh, so i don't think i have anything specific that didn't work for me and I, I don't know i would hesitate to call it the perfect novel because yeah i don't know what the perfect novel would be but anyway that's a discussion <laughs> that's for a, another day say, that's another topic yeah. but <laughs> i just really i think it's tight i think it's concise i think it there's nothing extraneous i mm-hmm. think it it just does what he set out to do i think there is ashley said this at the beginning a lot of powerful commentary for such a short fast moving book i love the characters yeah i really loved it so i i don't have anything great to contribute here sorry <laughs> <laughs> like both of you, I don't know that I, I mean, I really liked it too. I agree with both of all of what you said. I think the only, th- the only small criticism and this would be nitpicking for me was it was really hard for me to picture Lillian in my head because there is not a lot of physical descriptors of mm-hmm. her in the book. There's there. I mean, Madison's described in a certain way, but Lillian, I feel like he leads with her personality the whole book. And that prob- that could have been 
a decision on his part as a writer. Uh But for me, when I'm creating something in my head, when I'm reading a book, I like to be able to see the characters. And Lillian was a personality, but not really a full Mm. formed physical being in my head because it just, there just wasn't a lot of physical descriptions of her. Mm -hmm. So even when she had the black eyes and the scratches, like Mm -hmm. I pictured eyes with scratches and a black eye, but I didn't have it on a like clearly Mm -hmm. drawn face, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Yeah. it does. But it's Mm -hmm. not really... It could have been, like I said, a choice for him to just mm-hmm. totally t- focus on her personality. Yeah, but, that is so internal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 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 for me as a reader, mm-hmm. yeah. I wanted to be able to flesh that out a bit. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay, so we, you know, we have been trying not to quote you to death, <laughs> but this is the portion where we get to pick only one quote <laughs> that we really liked and want to talk about. Jen, do you want to start with sure. your quotes? So mine is on page 185. If you were rich and you were a dude, it really felt like if you just followed a certain number of steps, you could do pretty much whatever you wanted. And I thought that is really powerful. Lillian feels shut out of power and progress in so many ways. One is her gender. One is definitely her poverty and her station in life. And then I also think it's this, if you follow the rights or a certain number of steps and she talks in boarding school. Like, I don't think she ever felt like she had a handle on what the steps were. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a secret guidebook mm-hmm. that other people have and she does not. So even if she had the money, if she had been able to stay at the boarding school and graduated, everybody else had these steps that she just didn't even know. So I just think she feels at every turn that she is cut out of that agency that mm-hmm. Ashley referenced at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that one, epitomizes a lot of the struggle that she's going through yeah Ashley how about you so I am still thinking about quoting that one that I (laughs) badly paraphrased earlier but that's okay I wanted to talk about when she for when Lillian first decides that she I mean she's like trying to come up with a structure for the days Mm -hmm. and I just love the way that she's winging it and I think that a lot of parenting is winging it and it's really just taking one day at a time and trying to figure out like oh we have this new problem and I gotta work (laughs) through this problem and I don't know how and there's no manual and I'm just gonna have to learn blunder yeah I mean she's literally learning by fire (laughs) I did not mean that (laughs) we love those puns I'm sorry (laughs) sorry that was great so you know, I really appreciated that when she's trying to find a way to have some structure for the day. And what I wanted to talk about was where she's doing the exercises and then they do the breathing. This is on 126. And she says, they, they go back and forth. She and Bessie go back and forth about how many times <laughs> and they compromise with 20. And she says, and so that's what we did. We breathed. We held our breath. We breathed again. And I'd never thought about it this way had always assumed that whatever was inside me that made me toxic could not be more diluted but with each subsequent breath made me a little more calm mm. and I lost track of time. I had no idea how many breaths we'd done, but I didn't care. I just kept breathing and the temperature of the room stayed the same. And finally, when it seemed enough, I said, okay, then. And so I think, and then Roland's like, that's it. We're done. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I just love that. I, I love the power of breathing. And I think that it's, interesting to remember how calming it can be to do that and I think like Jen said before about the fire being uh you know both a symbol and literal I mean I think I am a person with a lot of passion and (laughs) often that is also rage 
which <laughs> is a lot to contain. And sometimes it does feel like it. I mean, I just really identified with that feeling of like it is right under your skin and this feeling of trying to hold inside this like wave of emotion for the sake of the people around you or whatever. But that doesn't mean that it's not, you're not feeling that sensation. And so I really appreciated that in the book throughout, because again, I think like you said, Jen, that Lillian can really identify with these Mm -hmm. kids Mm -hmm. because she can understand what it is like to feel that you are constantly trying to contain this thing within you that is always there. And so I really appreciate that. And then I just loved that passage about the breathing. And I think it goes back to what I said before about what I loved about the book is just this idea that you were going to take what you were given And you were going to do your best Mm -hmm. to find a way through it. And that sometimes you're able to do that in a way that maybe you didn't anticipate. So, yeah, I loved that whole scene. So there were lots of quotes. Again, I'm not going to read them (laughs) that I loved. But I think what stayed with me was just that feeling of them finding some calm, finding some peace, finding some community between the three of them so that they could function in the world. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, My quote is from page 218 and this is right after jasper madison's husband and madison and timothy their son are on the news and timothy has been (laughs) treated one kind of way Uh and they are all and then roland and bessie have been treated a different way Mm. different kind of way and they they're basically roland and bessie if you haven't read the book entirely they have been kind of ostracized from the family and uh, Jasper is a senator getting ready to be secretary of state and they go for a swearing in while Timothy combusts on stage (laughs) during Jasper's you know swearing in ceremony which is a very satisfying moment yes yes, it is totally and so the kids and Lillian are watching this and the kids are like ec- ecstatic. They are mm-hmm. laughing and they actually combust and it's this whole thing. But Lillian makes this comment, which is my quote, the kids were happy. They had added another to their numbers. They didn't want to set the world on fire. They just wanted to be less alone in it. And I just thought that was so powerful first because of that commentary on the kids mm-hmm. and because they are such darling children throughout the whole book. They are so sweet and they just keep, I mean, their father just keeps treating them terribly mm-hmm. and Madison treats them terribly. And all they have in this world is Lillian. But I also thought it was really powerful because of Lillian's realization. It's just, I feel like in that quote, you see how much Lillian has grown during her time mm-hmm. with the kids. And I just thought it was really tender and precious. And mm-hmm. I just really like that. Mm-hmm. So that was my quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did love that confirmation that Jasper is the one who's passing on this yes, gene. Yes, that uh-huh. was. Because absolutely. I thought, you know, every single thing that the men blame on the women, like the gender of the children, like it oh. just reminds me of all that. Yeah. And so I thought, I was just like, ha. I mean, it was just. Well, and I love how there was all the thought about, like, does he have any other children out there? Yeah. Does yeah. she need to, like, contact these women? <laughs> I mean, I think, like, it was just, it was both. I mean, and I think that's true in a lot of the book. There mm-hmm. are parts that are just hilarious. Yeah. It was both really funny and also really tragic yeah. that yeah. he now knows that he is the root of this. And that even after that, he just wants to send them away. Yeah. And he wants to send all of them away. Yeah, right. I mean, that was one of the, like, there, there are a lot of things that are that you do relate to with Madison, I think. But Mm -hmm. like the one, you know, the one that I most related to was the moment where she Mm -hmm. used that power, her power to say, 
Yeah. This no, will not yeah. happen. This will not happen. These are the ways we're going to resolve this. Mm-hmm. And I think things did turn out a lot better for Roland and Bessie than they would have otherwise mm-hmm. if if Madison hadn't finally been able to fathom yeah. what it meant for the kids yeah. to be sent away. And we talked before about the commentary about about class and stuff like that. But I also really appreciated all the stuff about therapy and the stigma against it and how totally unwilling he was to send them when they had experienced this unbelievably traumatic situation with their mom and how all that came out. Like Lillian didn't even know. And then Mm -hmm. she was wondering, did Madison know? Like, where was the line of not telling? I mean, yeah. And oh my gosh! And the so doctor who tells oh them gosh. that they're demons. My oh my gosh! And Lillian is like, no. But then, like, that was kind of my turning point with yes. Carl too. Yes. Also, because he was like, oh no, I've made a mistake. Yes. And then, and then he ultimately is who helps them get out whenever when they try to burn the house down. Yeah. So yes. yeah, I thought, I thought the secondary characters. I'm glad yeah. you brought up Carl, Sarah, because I thought they are they are quite secondary. They are a very small part of the book, but they are great accents and to everything Mary, that's happening Mary and them. the way that I felt like Mary was this teeny little character uh-huh. but the way that Lillian describes her you're like yes I like Mary you know yeah. and you just feel like you you can get a really good sense again of her personality mm-hmm. and how she interacts with the kids and the rest of the household mm-hmm. I just thought that was really cool yeah. and just like the role of servitude yeah I think there's a lot of commentary about the service mm-hmm. component for mm-hmm. the extremely wealthy and what that is like. And yeah, all of that. I yeah. think it's just really interesting as well. Like where she's thinking about the, how many people does she staff? Yeah. How many people does it take to, and then she thought the thing about the gardener yeah. and she was uh-huh. like, you know, if I were going to staff, I would do this instead of this. <laughs> I mean, so I just think like all of that was really, again, there were parts that were really funny, but it mm-hmm. also was just a really, I made it a lot more complex. I think yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I really enjoyed that conversation. I just really like this book, and I think mm-hmm. it, ha- it offers a lot for a discussion. I think it would be a great book club book. For, yeah, I mean, we, for it's sure. our it's our online book club, but like, like for some of our in life real in real life book clubs, I think it would be really cool. I agree. Yeah, yeah, for for all the reasons we said, <laughs> yes. like, both because yeah. I think it's great for a discussion, but also because it is refreshing to yes. read something that's fast moving and short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think you often get something that is that fast moving and short with so much substance. To talk about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to our pairings. I do want to preface mine. I'm not going to say mine yet, but I, I thought this was a tough book to pair yeah. for yeah. me. But I will see what you all think. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I this is yeah, like like Sarah said, this is not a read alike. I mean, I think mm-hmm. what I am what I want to talk about is both a great book and like I one of my you know one of my favorite books from the year that I read it I think I actually read it in 2018 instead of 2019 but anyway um it is both one of my favorite books that I've read recently and also a really good pairing in some ways but it is very different (laughs) so this is Kelly Barnhill's The Girl Who Drank the Moon and for one thing I'd say it's probably like upper elementary middle Mm -hmm. grade Ish. It reminds me a lot of like Harry Potter where there's a lot going on. It's not sh- particularly short, mm-hmm. but it's also written in a way that kids who are probably 10 to 12 mm-hmm. and older would be able to access it. Anyway, this in this story, there is a protectorate where that is a basically a dystopian town and they every year sacrifice a baby and leave it in the forest. And they think that there's this evil witch out there who takes the baby and 
eats it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the sacrifice is for the witch. But really, the witch is this amazing woman. And she, every year, she has no idea why this is happening, right? So she just knows that this baby appears. Mm -hmm. And so she frantically makes this journey every year to make sure that she's there to get the baby. And then she transports the baby to this other place and and house, you know, finds a home for the baby. So she does this every year. And as she makes this journey, and in between, she nourishes the babies with starlight to get them to their home. And so she does this. And then one year, she somewhat accidentally, I guess, gives the baby moonlight instead of starlight. So the baby drinks from the moon, hence Mm -hmm. the name. And that gives the baby magic. So then she can't pass the baby on, she feels like, because the baby is going to have this magic inside of her that's mm-hmm. going to come out at some point, and the, the other village is not equipped for this. And so she names the baby Luna and decides to keep her and try to raise her as her own. And I think that, and it's just, I mean, it's just a really sweet, sweet story about them, about the protectorate. So you really get to know the people in the protectorate and what's happening there and, like, how it all came to be this situation where they lived in fear and where they thought they had to make these sacrifices. And then you also get to know in the in the swamp where the witch lives, she is her and Luna, Zan and Luna. And then there is this swamp monster named Glurk. And there's another tiny, tiny dragon named Furion. And so they just have these really sweet characters in the story who add a lot to it and just make it so, so much more compelling, I think, than um, than it would be without it. And I just also think, I mean, all of it wraps together really well. But I'm rambling, so let me get to the point. The point is that what I thought that they had in common is – both that there's this idea of like there's this thing inside of you but you don't always know how to control that thing and how do you learn to be in your own body like for luna it's Mm -hmm. like this discovery of magic and zan tries to like suppress it down in her so she Mm -hmm. doesn't know that she has it because she's like not ready for it basically but then eventually of course it's going to come out and so it's this how does she manage what all of this amazing power within her but also really hard to control how does she manage Mm -hmm. that I think it's about found family Mm -hmm. and the way that you can make a family for yourself and you can make a community and you can love each other deeply and it doesn't Mm -hmm. always have to be biological for that to happen. And so I think there's a lot of richness there too. So I felt like those things seemed like good similarities as and then I think also there are some really quirky components of it just like this story I appreciate I mean like Jen said in the beginning with kind of the quirkiness of the novel Mm -hmm. this one also has definitely some quirky parts of it but that to me they just made the story richer Mm -hmm. so again that's Kelly Barnhill's The Girl Who Drank the Moon and I think it is a phenomenal book I want to read that I haven't read that before it's great Jen how about you what's your pairing so mine also is quite different. So I am pairing this book with Lee Bardugo's Ninth House. And this is the first book in a series for Lee Bardugo. This is her first adult series. And the thing that really connected these two for me are the protagonists. So the protagonist of Ninth House is Galaxy. She's called Alex Stern. And she comes from a very poor background. And she gets involved in a pretty seedy difficult lifestyle and there is an event that happens when she's in I can't I think she's in her upper teens I can't remember that is really catastrophic and as a result she this is gonna sound bizarre but she's allowed to go to Yale she has magic and 
Bardugo reimagines Yale as this place where the different houses, like Skull and Bones, and that each one represents a different kind of magic. And Alex, because of the magic that she has, the power that she has, she can see ghosts, is in the ninth house. And they are the ones who sort of regulate the supernatural and its involvement with the other eight houses. The part that really reminded me of Lillian for Alex is just she is gritty and she is tough and she aspires to do more and she would love to have power and agency, but her past experiences have really dragged her down as well. As she is being oriented into Yale, there's another character who... I would say is a secondary character, but he does narrate part of the book. Part of the book is from his perspective. His name is Darlington, and he was raised extremely upper class, <laughs> and he is there to sort of be her guide. And he is pretty disgusted with her a lot of the time. He just cannot understand why she is making the choices that she's making, and she is disgusted with him because she realizes that he has absolutely no understanding of what she has survived and what, where she's coming from. So, yeah, it's just it, – it is – quite long. I would not call it, I really loved it, but I would not say it is particularly fast moving because there's a lot of detail and a lot of world building. So the reading experience would be quite different, but I do think I loved Alex and admired her in the same way that I loved and admired Lillian. So that for me is the connection. Hmm. I've seen that one all over, but I'm very, I have a lot of trepidation about the length, but it does, but your description makes me feel like I would love it, but I'm just... Yeah, I, I just, love her stuff, but then I worry these days I feel like I can't keep up with a series yeah. until I need to wait till the second one's almost coming yeah. out or I just don't think I can hold the stories as well as I used to. I was going to say, I did not realize when I started it that it was going to be a series. Mm. And I do sort of wish that I'd waited because it has so much detail on the world building. I know I'm going to have to review before book two because... Yeah, already there were details I had to look back and think about, and it hasn't been all that long since mm-hmm. I read it. So, but yeah, it is well worth reading. It has all the great things that Lee Bardugo is so good at in her young adult stuff. And I just feel like she is, this is quite an ambitious book. She is really pushing herself, and I really thought it was successful. So, interesting. Yeah. My pairing for this book is actually one that we talked about on the podcast, but it has been a hot minute. So, <laughs> so I feel okay. Uh, talking about it my pairing for this is Gabrielle Zevin's Mm -hmm. Young Jane Young Uh, and it's for several different reasons Mm -hmm. the first being I feel like it has a lot of this uh, similar pacing I felt like Mm -hmm. that was a pretty slim novel it moved really quickly it had a lot of dialogue it it was very plot driven so to me it read a lot like nothing to see here did Mm -hmm. in terms of the pace the other thing that I think that it is similar is that it has a lot of it has a lot of political overtones Mm -hmm. which i feel like this one did and it has a lot of commentary about masculinity and power and young jane young has all of that it it is reminiscent of the clinton era you know scandal Mm -hmm. with monica Lewinsky, and it's about aviva grossman who was this congressional intern and she has an affair with her married boss and basically she is penalized and her career is over Mm -hmm. when it comes out and nothing happens with 
the man that she had an affair with. And I don't know. I just felt like they're Mm -hmm. very different stories, but they have a lot of the same commentary on class and power and who has the power Mm -hmm. and what agency do we have to fight back. And so I think that it makes it a good pairing. It's not, it's not seamless pairing, but I I think it makes a good pairing for nothing to see here. Yeah. That's that's a great one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's true for mine too. I didn't say about like the class and power and who has the agency and how things are different than what they're, you perceive them to be Mm -hmm. that all these sort of assumptions are made and that that's not always correct. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I do think those are things that resonate in this book Mm -hmm. and, and feminism. I mean, I think there's some commentary about, like you said, masculinity and feminism in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of goes back to, you said the quote about, you said the rich dude quote. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you were going, you were going uh-huh. between two in there, but it's stuck in my mind. But yeah, so it kind of goes back to that rich dude mm-hmm. quote from nothing to see here. Yeah. I felt like in young Jane Young, that's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. that you can do what you want to, as mm-hmm. long as you have the money and power to do yeah. it. And manipulate the story mm-hmm. in whatever yes. way you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the last couple things for with the book number one is it a keeper and we are going to for this section we are going to rate it one two or three one is i will donate it tomorrow (laughs) two i'll share it around or three i'll keep it forever and ever (laughs) jen you want to start sure so i would say it's a three for me i'll keep it forever i might share it around also but i will want it back so (laughs) And I did love this one, but I think it's more in the two category for me. And I, I mean, I loved it, but I think that, yeah, I when I think about a three as being something that is like top, top, top favorites, mm-hmm. even though I really enjoyed the story, I just, I don't know. I, I'll have to see as time passes how much it mm-hmm. stays with me. And I really loved it too. I just... I probably would be more apt to share it around, just so I would be more apt to be a two, just because I doubt I would reread it, mm-hmm. even though I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I feel like saying that's a two takes away something from it. Yes. But, and I really, really did like it, and I'm so f- glad that I read it, but I would rather share it around, because I also think it's a really good book to elicit discussion, yeah. and so I would yeah. want to tell someone about it and then be like, you have to read mm-hmm. it here. You can have my, you know, you can borrow it. But I might want it back like Jen. So yeah. I'm kind of waffling, I know, but. <laughs> two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. <laughs> and then we are just going to give our personal rating with our book love. Mm-hmm. So how many, how much book love would you give this one? I would give this one four bookish hearts. Four bookish hearts for me as well. Ooh, it's unanimous today. I'm going to go with four bookish hearts too. And like I said, there's nothing I critique about it. Yeah. So I feel bad with both both of those ratings because I make it, it makes me feel like I'm saying it's less mm-hmm. than my enjoyment of it. But yeah, I think that's where I am. So. Well, I just, I keep thinking about, I know I've talked about this book ad nauseum, but The Heart's Invisible Fury. Yeah. When I finished that, yeah. like I wanted to hug the book and I like wanted to lay down and cry. Like it yeah. was it, like, li- like I had like a visceral reaction. Yeah. And to me, this was more of a, a book that made me think about all different mm-hmm. types of things, but it wasn't something that I felt really like I wanted, like I didn't feel really super tied to any character, even yeah, though yeah. I liked them all. Yeah. And well, I, I think it just doesn't have a lot of heft. Yeah. Like I yeah. almost felt like I could have continued reading the book for double its length because I was enjoying it so much. And I did feel like I wanted more of some things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But then I don't know, like 
books with this kind of tone and quirkiness and humor maybe can't sustain that. So it, it yeah. that's why for me, yeah. I like to it. me, like Wilson accomplished the goal. Yes. yes. I think that sure. it was very well written. Yes. And I think that it seems like what Kevin Wilson intended to yes. accomplish. And it was a complete totally story. Accomplished. I mean, it was. Yes. It didn't, but like it, you yeah. said, Sarah, when you think about like profound emotional resonance, mm-hmm. I don't know that it does that. Right. For me, that doesn't mean that it didn't accomplish the goal that yeah. he intended. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay, last but not least, we're going to do Give Me One. So today's <laughs> Give Me One is a beloved movie from your childhood. Jen? I knew, I knew <laughs> she was going to ask me first. And of course, my this is always my problem. I can think of like 10 I want to talk about. So I'll just I'll, Sarah I'll knows one. I'm always struggling to come up with one, especially when it's pop culture. So she's trying to buy me some time. So I will just talk about E.T. And I remember seeing E.T. in the movie theater. And hopefully, if you haven't watched E.T., I can't imagine that's true. I'll just give a spoiler warning here. But I remember the end when you think E.T. is dead. And I remember being in the theater and sobbing. And I was just, I, I don't know that I'd ever seen a movie before where a beloved character dies. And I just remember I was in disbelief. And so the reason that really resonates with me is recently I showed my boys this movie and my younger son, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it, but as we were getting close to that, I was like, oh no, I should have, I should have warned him. Like, and he had the same reaction. I mean, he was just instantaneously, the the exact same thing, disbelief, sobbing. And so I had to whisper in his ear, he's okay, because I just didn't know we were going to make it to the end. He couldn't even get himself together to finish watching it. So anyway, so that, I just love that movie though. I love the, yeah, it's so tender and it's so beautiful and I love the relationship and what it says about childhood and imagination and your ability to accept those who are different from you. I just think it's great. Sorry, that was long, but I love that movie a lot. That's okay, Jen. (laughs) Ashley? Fortunately, you gave me time to think of something. (laughs) So I one that I really loved is The Secret of Nim. Oh, yeah. Either of you watched that? I loved that movie when I was a kid. I also loved the book, Miss Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Mm -hmm. I love that book. Oh, my goodness. I loved both very, very much. I had seen the movie first, I believe, so that was maybe the first time that I had seen a movie (laughs) and then read the book. But I just, I remember, I mean, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot about it for how many times I saw it. I feel like I should remember it better, but that's okay. I, but I think that the things that really, for one thing, I think that it was a pretty grown up story for a kid. I think that that was part of what I enjoyed about it was Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I have all, when I was a child, I always appreciated people talking to me like I knew what they were talking about. And I think that it's a pretty complex story it seemed that way as a child and yet you know it's the idea of like changes coming first of all that there are all these things in the world that we don't know yeah and yet that those systems exist anyway Mm -hmm. and without our knowledge and I think that was really fascinating to me was just this I mean I, I think that was at a time that I still was very much in belief that maybe all these imaginary things that aren't out there might be out there and maybe people just don't know. And so I think it fed into that. And I also think just this idea of that change is coming and that you have to face the way that things can change and find a way to navigate that, that all of that was just really rich to me as a kid. But man, I loved that movie. So yeah. My son read that. They read that um, in his elementary school as a class book. 
He loved it. I don't know what boys have read it. I was just thinking. Oh, man. It's so good. The teacher read it aloud to them, and and he just, he really liked it. I remember my librarian reading it to us. Mrs. Schumann. She was great. And that's what, in some ways now I'm thinking about it, like when I think about like the Nicodemus character, mm-hmm. I'm surprised I wasn't scared. I know. Mm-hmm. But I, re- I just remember loving And there's a lot of parts where the rats are kind of scary. Yeah. But I, and I mean, I, apparently I have those images in my mind, so they, <laughs> they must have been scary enough to remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I loved all of that. I just found it all very endearing. And there's like the, the um, baby that gets sick mm-hmm. and they have to really take care of him. And I just yeah. think all of that mm-hmm. really stayed with me. Yeah. yeah. Great, great story. I feel really bad because you all have all these themes. <laughs> and now I'm I'm totally regretting my choice, no, but I'm just going to stay the course. <clears throat> so I have a younger sister and she and I were we're like best friends now, but growing up we we were best friends sometimes and then we were beating each other up yeah. sometimes. <laughs> but but we she and I we love the movie <laughs> Girls just want to have fun. Oh my gosh, I love that movie too. <laughs> yes. We, I swear, we watched it. I, I mean, I cannot even count. And I just want to say, over the holidays, it was on Hulu or Netflix. And so my daughter was sitting on the couch with me and I said, oh my gosh, girls just want to have fun. Let's watch it. Well, first, I, mean, I, tur- I turned it on and she was like, why are they dressed like that? Because, I mean, it's super 80s. But I still remember... When my sister and I would watch it, we our friends would not watch it with us because we said all the words with the characters. We knew every single word, and I still know them. When I start, I said I used to know every word of this, and my daughter was wanted me to prove it, uh-huh. and I started, and she was like, "Okay, you can stop now, mom." <laughs> but I just love that movie, and I think it was part. It's partly because. My sister and I just love to watch it together. Yeah. We love dancing and music. And it was a way for us to get to watch people express that. But it also, I mean, it was just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has, and it has Sarah Jessica Parker yeah. in it and Helen Hunt. And, and all the dance performance yes. at the end. It's yes. amazing. Yeah. And I, I just, that. I mean, I just loved it. And I mean, it really, when you rewatch it as an adult, you're like, wow, there's a lot of famous people in here that I didn't even mm-hmm. know that they were famous when mm-hmm. I watched it. It was just, I mean, it's just one of those, lots of nostalgia around that movie. So. That's so cool. <laughs> okay. Well, we hope you enjoyed today. We are so glad that you listened and we would love to know what you think about nothing to see here and engage with us on social media comment on our book club post we'll be talking about it all month and just thanks for listening don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts and thanks a lot do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear them you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at underbridge pod or on the web at underbridgepod.com for a list of ways to support us We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.